Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the gospel of peace and restoration. At the time of this recording, you may hear a little background noise. That's because I have decided to record today's podcast outside. So there's a couple birds um, that, that are chirping and there is a dog that is very excited that I'm outside. So if you hear some background noise, uh, let me encourage you just, there's a rooster that just crowed as well. So let me encourage you just to enjoy and imagine that you're out on the farm with Pastor Chris today, okay? Hey, the reason why I bring up the idea of restoration is because there seems to be some confusion or or maybe debate or uh, another way of putting it is just a level of indifference regarding um the term restoration or having a restorative theology. And here's what I mean by that. So what I'm seeing in the church, and I'm sure all of us in leadership have been guilty to some degree or another of, of participating in this, but what I've seen in the church over the years is, and I'm going to take two, two stabs at this, okay? So two directions on this. One is an individual who's in ministry. Say he's a pastor or a worship pastor or a executive pastor or what have you. He's in a shepherding position in the church. And he, as the word goes, he falls. He or she commits a sin that is significant to that ministry position. Some would call it disqualifying. In our world of domestic violence intervention and prevention, Usually what we're interacting with are pastors or leaders who have committed acts of sexual assault, um, sexual um, uh, deviancy, some aspect of domestic, physical, or community-based violence. And so the idea here is you've got a leader who's committed some kind of act that would be oppressive in nature. All right. The other side is when we interact with couples who one party has used power to dominate or control another. And so again, a sin of oppression, the the sin of power over, where this individual in the marriage has used physical force, sexual coercion, threats, intimidation, etc., what we would call domestic abuse, to control one's spouse. I bring this up because the church-based response has often been how quickly can we restore this individual to their position? Meaning, how quickly can we restore the fallen pastor to a position of leadership? How quickly can we uh, restore a sinful husband to the marriage, to the home? And one of the things I think we're missing, I, I don't think it's one of the things, I think it's the primary thing that we're missing as church leaders, is when and how are we restoring people to God? I mean, isn't the gospel really... The good news is the the idea of Jesus restoring us to himself. That through the cross and the subsequent resurrection, there is a restorative aspect in which we are made right with God. 
not we're made right with our position or we're put back into leadership. You know, I was mentioning to some of my friends recently that it's as if Best Buy is no longer hiring or the Walmart is no longer hiring. There are jobs to be had. People's livelihoods are not dependent upon being restored to public ministry. There are places they can work while we walk through restoration. There are places that sinful husbands can live while we work on restoration. But the focus of our restoration, I believe, should be on restoring people to God. I want to give you five five thoughts today, uh, five aspects of restoration that I think are congruent with the gospel of peace. When I use the term the gospel of peace, I'm talking about the the good news, just its natural um, tendency, its natural uh, course of being restorative. That the gospel is divisive in one way, but it's restorative in a much greater way. Meaning that the goal of the gospel is to bridge the chasm between the enmity between man and God, and that we should take more time with those individuals who are oppressive to present restorative options. And if they reject those options, we should be quick to discipline them, quick to excommunicate them, quick to declare them an unbeliever. If they are receptive, then we should be quick to practice discipleship to restore their relationship with God in the church, not their position, right, or their power. Hopefully that will make sense to everyone who's listening. Let's just talk about five aspects of this gospel of peace. Hopefully it'll make sense and maybe give us a rubric, a filter for which we uh, can pursue restoration. The first is what we're going to call peace with God. Peace with God. This is what most of us grew up being taught was the gospel. And I'm not denying that it is. I believe it is a significant part of the good news that uh, we are sinners. We are far away that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are in need of restoration. Um, that, that all of us are in this state of brokenness and transgression. And God, through his grace, right, draws us to himself. Peace with God is about the truth regarding our need for reconciliation. And when we gloss over that gang, when we um, make quick resolutions in that area, quick declarations in that area, I think we do people a disservice because you can lead your way all the way to hell, correct? You can be in a position of prominence within the context of the kingdom of the world and have no standing within the kingdom of God. You can serve the church even as a goat at best or at worst a wolf having never heard the shepherd's voice. It is imperative that when we practice aspects of restoration that we focus not on the position or on position of leadership or position in the home, we focus on one's position before God. Have you accepted the provisional aspects of the gospel as declared in the scripture for those who are lost. So peace with God. Second, I think we have to really understand the aspect of having the peace of God. It is one thing 
to have some kind of formulaic declarative statement that says, all right, now I'm good. I've done all the right things. I've said all the right prayers. I've confessed all the right things. Now God and I are good in some kind of ethereal, formulamatic way. But I'm going to suggest that the gospel is much deeper and powerful than having checked all the boxes. The gospel has within it supernatural realities, right? We are depending upon the God of the universe to bring about transformation. And so has this person who claims to be a believer not only accepted peace with God, but are they living in the peace of God? This is the aspects of truth surrounding the inner peace available to believers. Think for just a moment about Philippians chapter 4. Um, I believe it's Philippians 4, in which uh, the Apostle Paul encourages the church to no longer be anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and petition, make your request known to God, right? And the peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ, right? Through that relationship with God, peace with God, there is an opportunity for believers to experience the peace of God, the heart and mind guarding peace of God. I'm going to maybe go out on a limb here that individuals who repent in word only and expect, here we go, this may be the, this may be the point, right, where I lose some, some friends, but individuals who repent in word only, right, and they do not turn from their sin, but they simply refocus their sin to arrogant leadership in another aspect of the church or through polite abuse, right, respectable abuse in the home, are not transformed at the level of the heart and the mind. It first begins with the relationship with God, right, peace with God, and then the peace of God that gives men and women the opportunity to walk in sanctification. Next, I want to talk about uh, the third aspect. So peace with God, peace of God, and then a relationship with the very God of peace. Philippians 4 continues to say, right after prayer and petition, right? Are you with me? So after prayer and petition, uh, the peace of God that's beyond our understanding will guard our heart and mind. For what purpose? Whatever things are true, noble, trustworthy, praiseworthy, you know, think on these things. Once we have received peace with God, we practice and receive the peace of God, we can then begin to see our thoughts uh, transformed, right? So what, what, what does that look like? We begin to think about the right things, according to Philippians chapter 4. And then he goes on, I think it's verse 9, where Paul says, and all the things that I taught you, so good doctrine, good things, good doctrine, and then what happens? The very God of peace will be with you. There should be a deepening relationship in the life of a repentant person. When we jump restoration, when we gloss over the hurdle of salvation, right? We gloss over the salvific hurdle to say, okay, he's got peace with God, he's done the right things. And we ignore the peace of God that transforms his heart and his mind, that guards his heart and his mind, right? And we ignore the relationship with God 
a growing relationship with God that's modeled by changing the way one thinks, by holding truth high, then I, I think we again are missing the, po- the point of restoration. What are we restoring people to? And my, my suggestion is we should be restoring people to God. Peace with God, the peace of God, the very God of peace. And I think that will affect the way in which people treat each other. Because isn't that the, the end result, right? We love God with everything we have, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we love others as ourselves. Peace with others, I think, right, is an out pouring of proper peace with God. It's the truth regarding the believer's role to live at peace with others. I'm going to go out on a limb again as well. I find that individuals who have been oppressive, who are restored again to position rather than the person of God, tend to find new and different and maybe even far better ways, more effective ways, of controlling others. And that is not the evidence of the gospel of peace. When an individual has been restored in their relationship with God, they have the, the power of the Holy Spirit guarding their heart and their mind. They are walking in step in relationship with God. We should expect peace with others to be a byproduct. I'm not saying that you're going to be in, in agreement with others. I'm not saying that you're going to live in total harmony with each other. I'm not saying that you're going to be some uber, super sweet, sugary, nice guy to everyone. But you're certainly not going to be known as a jerk. And far too often, we see individuals who have been declared right, have been declared restored, continue to treat other people with disdain rather than through first worshiping and relating to the God of the universe, understanding their own depravity and brokenness, serving others. Too often individuals restored to position without first being restored to God end up having a string of broken relationships with people who did, one, not meet their expectations, two, did not support their their position, their authority, or three, did not show them the respect they felt they deserved. I saw this articulated recently in the wake of the um, racial tension in our country, in the wake of the the blowback, as it were, where the extremes in our world today have pitted you know, black lives versus blue lives, right? The, the cops versus people of color, which is just a, I think, two, it's just a, a pendulum, uh, irreparable pendulum swing. It, it's not the point or the focus. But I saw someone articulate this so well who said, you know, in this world, we see respect uh, usually one of two ways. The first is is human solidarity, right? It is human dignity. It's what we in the Christian church would call maybe the image of God in a person. We respect people because we respect people. So there is a mutual respect that is given to people because they're humans, right? And at the same time, there is a uh, another kind of respect that is given to individuals of authority. 
And one of the problems in our world today is that sometimes individuals in authority, when they don't receive the respect they think they deserve for their authority, will deny others the respect they deserve as a human, right? As an individual made in the image of God. And I would say that this is problematic. Restorative theology, when someone's restored to God, peace with God, peace of God, and the God of peace, will practice peace with others based upon their relationship with God, not their position, power, or authority. And then last on my list is the very practice of peace. All of the things I've talked about right now are in the maybe theoretical, theological. They are to be adopted. The practice of peace itself is the look at the application of peace as the activation of restorative practice. So here's what, I, here's what I'm getting at. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, when contrasting the wise builder and the foolish builder, says that the distinction is that Although both heard the word, only one, the wise builder, put it into practice. And so the real test of the gospel of peace is how the individual who has received peace with God practices that in real life. It is the distinction between a house well built and one doomed to destruction. And so let me articulate that through the the concept of what we're talking about today. An individual who hears the truth, who goes through the motions in order to be restored to their position, will experience destruction. It will come. The circumstances of life are unsustainable for them. They will buckle under the weight of real pressure. But the individual, right, who builds their house in the practice of peace, knowing their relationship with God is based upon God's grace alone, knowing that The peace of God is what guards their heart and their mind from all of the things that their counterpart is experiencing, knowing that the very God of peace has their back. Knowing that others are in their life to be loved, not to be used, they will build on that foundation, the practice of peace. Let's briefly go back to Philippians 4 to land the plane. Philippians 4 concludes with probably the most well-known, one of the most well-known passages in the world, especially to athletes. You'll see athletes use this all the time. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is in the context of what we were talking about, through prayer and petition, making our request known to God, experiencing the transformative heart and mind guarding peace of God. The thought transforming peace of God that invites a relationship with God himself, the very God of peace, that finds contentment in whatever circumstance one finds themselves in. The house, the foundation is strong because it's built on the rock, as it were. And Paul says, you know, I know what it is to have a lot, to have a little. I know what it is to experience circumstances that are outside my control. I've learned the secret of contentment. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That all things power, that contentment-giving power, that satisfaction 
in difficult circumstances power is impossible, in my opinion, for the individual who is only restored to position. Whether that position is leadership in a church, leadership in an organization, or leadership in a home, unless the person is restored to God, we should not expect that level of contentment, that supernatural contentment that comes from knowing Christ. Hey, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, uh, let me encourage you to check out past episodes. Also, if you wouldn't mind, if this has been helpful to you, would you give us a, a review or rate us on iTunes? We really would like that five-star rating just uh, to get more people aware of the podcast. Hey, don't forget also the resources that are offered at chrismoles.org. We would love for you to, to check out the blog, uh, past podcasts, and then also look into PeaceWorks University our online membership site for individuals wanting to grow in their understanding and ability uh, in domestic violence intervention and prevention. Thank you guys for listening to the PeaceWorks podcast. And until next time, God bless.